It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, welcome in everybody to another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. Happy that you could be here with us on this Wednesday, January the 19th, recording aka National Popcorn Day. So go ahead, make yourself a little bowl of popcorn and sit back and enjoy because there is a lot to get into in this week's episode. First of all, I want to thank all of the new listeners. Hopefully you have hit the like and subscribe button wherever it is you have been listening to the show. A lot of new listeners coming in. I want to thank Zach Hilton for the last two weeks being a special guest. Uh, it was so much fun counting down our top films of last year, looking ahead to this year. That that episode last week, really wild, really fun. That's what happens when you do a long extended recording. Things get really weird. So uh, very grateful for him. He's got an awesome episode of Zach Speakeasy out right now as well. If you're not giving him a listen, definitely go ahead and give that a listen to. Uh, his latest guest has been on the WWE, is a professional trainer now. So uh, a lot of a lot of cool in-depth conversation going on on the latest episode of Zach Speakeasy, and he's got a new episode coming out uh, tomorrow. Uh, also, if there are going to be things that I'm not going to really dive so much into this week, like uh, Joss Whedon. I will share my thoughts on that coming up a little bit later on, but if you want to hear uh, a deep dive into that, review it. Rob, he's got a show that comes out on Tuesdays. Uh, he went into that. He he went into uh, Scream as well, the Scream 5 review, non-spoiler. I'll have one of those coming up. So uh, if you want to get a different take on a lot of... A lot of different stories, and which is what's really cool about the review at Rob Show. We 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 cover two different shows, uh, or two different styles, I should say, of show. Uh, he's got a great episode out this past week that you want to go check out. Uh, but looking ahead to this episode this week here on the Mr. Wonderful Show, uh, things that I have been watching since the last time we really spoke in this formal way. Uh, got to finish Cobra Kai, season four, binged watch that, really loved it. Uh, my only critique of this season is that I feel it gets a little repetitive at times as far as the characters go, that each season you think there's a growth. It really doesn't seem like there's any growth because certain characters, mainly Johnny and all of them, just kind of revert back to the same annoying traits. So that's my only knock on Cobra Kai season four. Otherwise, I thought it was really fun. I thought it was clever. I thought it was poignant on where they were going. Uh, but again, I just wish that certain characters, when they progress them forward, forward, they don't just decide to revert back to the same thing. Because I feel like we haven't... I feel like everybody's still the same that they were at the beginning of season one at this point. And it, it felt a little repetitive at times, but still really enjoyed this past season. Uh, other movies, or I should say another TV show got to watch uh checked out the first three episodes of peacemaker digging what they're doing over there on hbo max the spinoff to the james gunn suicide squad movie starring john cena as peacemaker super weird super different from what we've ever seen come from warner brothers and the dc stuff uh Really digging it, really liking what we've gotten in the first three episodes, but it is weird. It's very out there in a James Gunn way, 
but I feel even more so than a typical James Gunn project. Like this is this is slither level of weird where it's just out there type stuff. But first three episodes were really fun. Cannot wait to dive back into uh, that when the next episode drops uh, here this week. So definitely ready to get my Peacemaker on. I got some thoughts on that as well with Peacemaker's dad and things like that, but I don't really want to go into spoiler stuff on that. So Peacemaker, worth a check out if you haven't been watching it, but just be warned, it is super weird. And if you don't go with it, it's not going to be fun, but if you go with it, it's going to be one hell of a ride those first three episodes. Uh, now into some movies, uh, got to introduce the girlfriend to Jennifer's body. That was fun this past, over the past couple weeks. Uh, she really wanted to see that TikTok's been hyping it up. And I only bring this up because I kept telling her whatever you think Jennifer's body is, it is not that. And I guess she didn't really believe me. She thought that I might've been trying to swerve her because she was caught off guard by the movie and really kept saying over and over again, this is not what I thought I was going to be watching. Not to say she didn't like it. She ended up really enjoying it, which makes me proud because it, it makes me realize I am starting to create a little, a little scary movie, a little horror movie fiend as well, because I'm picking and choosing the right films I feel. And Jennifer's body is a movie that I know it got, blasted when it first came out but I was one of the few voices when it first came out that spoke highly of the film I really liked it and I still like the film and I think the film holds up really well in in my rewatch of it because I actually hadn't seen it since uh, whatever it came out 2009 2010 when it came out and everybody was already on the anti-Megan Fox train and uh, just tearing the film apart based on her alone and missing the point of the entire movie and you know my 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 girlfriend she caught the point and she really liked it she liked the story that was being told but everything she was sold on i told her that's how they sold the movie they sold the movie as this weird teenage thing and it's just not that at all it's i don't even really know how to explain what jennifer's body is except for an incredible coming-of-age sexuality story of a, a teenage girl and the the best friend but not best friend story. Like, there is a lot in that movie that when I first saw it, I was like, wow, this is a really good movie. I don't get why people hate it. And I'm happy that over time, people have started to recognize what a good movie it is and was really excited that she got to see it and that she had that false sell that we all got when the movie came out. Cause we were, yeah, again, we were sold like a typical slasher film and we do not get any, it is nothing like that. It is. If I said peacemaker is weird, watch peacemaker. And then if you've never seen Jennifer's body, watch Jennifer's body. Jennifer's body is weirder, but so much fun. And, and I always enjoyed it. So happy that she got to see it. Happy that it was her call. I didn't say, Hey, she kept asking me about it. And, from everything I had shown her, I was like, oh, she will really like this one. So she dug Jennifer's body. I liked it in a rewatch. And if you haven't seen it in a while, I really recommend going back and giving that uh, a watch sometime soon. Now, other things that we checked out, 
saw Encanto, and now I understand why we don't talk about Bruno, and also why we don't talk about Bruno and that soundtrack specifically, the Encanto soundtrack has dethroned Adele as the number one selling album on the Billboard charts. So Disney dethroned Adele. Everybody waited like a decade for new Adele. And here comes, we don't talk about Bruno, Lin-Manuel Miranda with his latest sing-along craze with Disney. And he dethrones Adele with the best album. Like, cool. And they deserve it. It's a really catchy musical Uh, A really good film. Very enjoyable. It really flew by. I actually, like, when the third act started, I kind of did one of those takebacks where I was like, oh, shit, really? We're here? We're already in the third act? We're already, whoa, I, how, oh, yeah, I guess we have been watching this for for over an hour now. So the film flies. It's, It's really enjoyable. I understand why kids have been harassing their parents to watch it over and over and over again, you know. For some kids, it's Encanto. For other kids like me, it's Beetlejuice. Know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, Zach, you're going to kill me for that one, I know. Uh, But yeah, it's it's a really good movie, really enjoyable. Very much recommend watching it. Uh, Just loved Encanto and would... Now, will I revise my top films of 2021 to put Encanto in there? No, but it bumps Fear Street out of that 11 spot and Encanto would be right on the outskirts. I, I haven't watched anything from last year yet that makes me go, well, I'd need to revisit my top 10 list. Encanto uh, was right on the outside of it, but a damn good movie for sure. Uh, and then finally, the last thing I saw, we're going to do this non-spoiler. Uh, got to check out the latest edition of the Scream franchise, Scream 5, a.k.a. Scream. And... Non-spoiler, this is weird to say that we're talking about a Scream movie in 2022 that doesn't have Wes Craven directing because, well, you know, he passed away uh, a couple years ago. But also weird to say Kevin Williamson isn't even writing this film as well because up to this point, the only film that he hadn't written in the Scream franchise was the much-discussed Scream 3, which... Maybe as a special somewhere along the line. Maybe if a Patreon pops up at some point, maybe there'll be like a deep dive into the Scream franchises and we'll go deep into like Scream 3 or something like that. Like like films that were just so rotten. And I don't even want to call Scream 3 rotten, but, but were considered rotten and do dives into them. Uh, similar to what I used to do B-movie review on an old Patreon that I was a part of. But maybe something like that where we just dive into it and we look at kind of how Scream 3 became Scream 3. But yeah, Kevin Williamson not even back. So so you're missing the director. You're missing the writer. And I'm telling you, those are the things that made the original so good was the witty writing and the watchful eye and direction of, of a legend like Wes Craven who understands not just the slasher genre having created many slasher films over the years and bringing Freddy Krueger to the big big screen, but just in the sense of he's just a brilliant director because even outside of horror films, Wes Craven was a really good director. He didn't get a lot of stuff outside of the scary realm because he got pigeonholed into that, but 
Scream becomes that film that really showcases the full extent of the director he is and how wonderful he is. And that franchise gave him four films to highlight that. And it's sad that we lost him, but a little part of me is always like, at least a Scream movie was the last film that he directed. Scream 4. Like, it sucks that that's his last film, but at least it's a Scream movie. It's not, you know... Oh, man, I'm going to get crushed for this. It's not like Red Eye. <laughs> it's not something like that where where it's not it's not a so much a divisive amongst the fans type of film. It's it's a it's a movie that a lot of us look back on and scream for and go, damn, what a good movie. Uh, so a little part of me is always like at least it was a scream film. But here we are in 2022. We don't have Wes. We don't have Kevin Williamson. Now, Kevin Williamson is back as an executive producer. He was approached by the new writers and the creative team behind it, which is the creative team that handled the Ready or Not film, which if you have not seen Ready or Not, go see Ready or Not. Really, really good film. But it's handled by that team, uh, a.k.a. Radio Silence. Uh, So they got control of it, which honestly... When I heard a new Scream movie was coming after Paramount saved it from the Weinsteins, the franchise, I was hesitant because of, like what I said, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. When I found out that Radio Silence was taking over the Ready or Not team, I got a little more excited for it because I really did enjoy Ready or Not. I've liked what what they've put out so far. I think they're clever, and, and I think Ready or Not is one of those films that highlights, in a way is like a Scream movie, so it made me believe that they would be able to handle the meta aspect of the Scream franchise as well as crafting a really compelling story along the way. Now, after seeing this movie, I can happily say this film accomplishes what it sets out to do. It's not to say that this film isn't without flaws, but overall, this latest movie delivers funny, meta, self-awareness, everything that we have come to expect from this franchise, and might be one of the sharpest written films in the franchise since Scream 1. Now, now let me let me let me also state this. Everything I say Scream, the original 1996 Scream, not tw- not 2022, the 1996 film is really truly a herald piece of film. It is this incredible work and I know I'm of a generation that yeah, we do look at the 1996 film and, and we hold it on a high standard. We have put it on a pedestal, but there's a reason we have. I remember being well under the age of 10 and my father taking me to see Scream 96 in theaters. And I remember just falling more in love with a genre that I had already been exposed to with things like Beetlejuice Uh, I will always say Pee-wee's Big Adventure has the craziest jump scare you will ever see in a kid's film that also is a weird introduction into, if you enjoyed that, why don't you start going down this path as well? So I I had the early experiences, and and plus I saw Nightmare on Elm Street uh, 3 and 4 way before I ever saw the original and way before I ever saw Scream. So definitely at an age I should not have seen them. So I had been exposed to this genre. But the 96 screen movie is the one that I can go, 
oh my God, that is the first scary movie I remember seeing in theaters because I remember how scared I was just from the opening 15 minutes, just the masterful open that that original film has. And every movie since then has tried to mimic in a way that clever open. Some have succeeded. Some have failed, Scream 3. You're going to kill a side character, man, from the other films? I mean, come on. Spoiler for Scream 3. But it's a really well-done film, 1996, and, and really is held up to a certain pedestal for a reason and what it accomplished. And for 25 years, it really has changed the game. When that first film came out, slasher films in particular, outside like horror films all around, slasher films mainly as well, it was a dying genre. It was dead. It was all sequels, all this garbage that was just coming out, just nothing really clever or new or inventive. And then Scream comes along and is aware of the genre, winks at the audience, and is a sharp film. And I think this new Scream does that wink to the audience and is as sharp, if not sharper, than the original one. Captures the times that we're in, understands where the genre is at, understands what we have come to expect as well from this franchise. So they really had their finger on the pulse, which is what the original film did. Now, again, I will say this film does have some flaws. There are some things about it that are a little, okay, but nothing that really hinders this movie or drags it down. Uh, I think the kills in this movie are some of the most extreme that we have seen from a ghost face on the big screen. This either matches or is more so than Scream 2. And Scream 2, having rewatched the entire franchise leading up to this, Scream 2 was a lot more violent than I remembered it being. And I know Scream 3 is the least violent one, and Scream 4 gets a little up there as well in the gore and the violence. But this one, there were a lot of moments where the first actual kill in the movie, the, the first kill, really just... I took a step back. I was very, I, I had a moment of uh, uh, where I out loud went, oh my, holy, like, because I was not expecting what happened. And it was slick, it was fast, it was violent, it was a lot of things that we haven't seen from a ghost face that I, I just, I couldn't believe we were seeing, but not turn your head away bad. I was very glued to the screen with this. Uh, but again, I won't get into many plot details. You know the story of, of Scream. Someone's attacked. People return to Woodsboro. There's a ghost face stabby stabby. So this film delivers in the ways that you would hope. It's a bloody film. Returns legacy characters with a really good young cast. I know some of the people out there, I've seen some of the comments about the cast. Uh, I've had some comments with some people how they felt about certain characters, but I really did like this young cast. I thought that a lot of the faces they brought in, very uh, handsome, young actors and actresses, uh, perfect for this type of a film. I thought the main leads of the movie brought something to their characters, uh, setting up if there are potential down-the-road moments. I would not mind seeing these characters again. Uh, and and the film 
understand, you know, to me, like the film understands creating these characters and that you need to relate to these characters. And there's certain characters that I really relate to in the film that as this mystery unfolds, because that's what these films are. They're, they're a murder mystery unfolding. So as these mysteries unfold, you're getting connected to these characters. And there were certain characters that I was very much invested in that by the time we got to the third act reveal, I was very invested in, oh man, is, is this person, is that person, is it that, is it that, is, is, is who, who's this, who's that, I, I hope it's not them, I'm really, oh, I hope this person makes it, I hope that person makes it, you know, I was invested in a lot of the young cast, and really enjoyed what they brought, I thought the legacy characters returning in Nev Campbell, uh, Courtney Cox, uh, David Arquette, they they brought an energy. This wasn't a, a phone-it-in performance. They were very engaged in their characters and their roles in this film uh, and, and really think that this is a terrific... Uh, there are some terrific scares. This is a brutal film, clever twist, and they understand that meta wink-at-the-camera self-awareness and really do think that the reveal in this was was one of the better reveals that they've done in the franchise as well and and really enjoyed this movie a lot and 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 I've spent a lot of time talking about a non-spoiler review on this movie but I uh, really recommend seeing Scream maybe we'll do a spoiler review uh, drop that like over the weekend or early next week or something maybe I'll get some people on to discuss it I know a few people I know probably have different takes than me on this, but I really did enjoy this movie. I really do think that uh, this one's a screamer baby. Um, I, I really just, I, I really enjoyed this film a lot. I want to go back and see it again in theaters. So I'll, I'll have to make those plans, but yeah, scream definitely worth a checkout. Uh, so I mentioned it earlier. I said, you could go listen to review at Rob. He does a much deeper dive into this. Uh, but I'm going to have to bring it up a little bit because I did tweet out about it the other day. Uh, Joss Whedon. So over the past, I want to say few years now, maybe like two years or so, uh, since Justice League came out, Ray Fisher brought up that Joss Whedon cut him from the Justice League, Zack Schneider's Justice League, all this, and, and made a lot of allegations and uh, against against Schneider. Uh, eventually, or, or I'm sorry, against Whedon, not against Snyder. Let's not start that, rock that boat here. Sorry, internet. I'm on, hey, 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 hey. But uh, mentioned Whedon. And then more people started coming out and talking about Whedon. Uh, it's gotten to the point where as far as the Justice League cast goes from the reshoots, uh, Ray Fisher, Gail Gadot, uh, Ben Affleck have all made comments. Uh, other people involved with the production have made comments. But it's also gone beyond that with Whedon, where people have made comments. Uh, uh, Carpenter, uh, Charisma Carpenter uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel has spoken out against him over the years. Sarah Michelle Geller has. Uh, Michelle Trachtenberg has spoken out against him. A lot of people that were also involved with Buffy have spoken up. Whedon decided he would do a sit-down interview with the New Yorker magazine and went into his side of the story, which I, I got to say, there's really just came across worse than I think he intended it to, but it's more so because of his responses to certain questions. Because when he was asked about the Justice League stuff, 
He said he had cut Ray Fisher's performance because his story arc made no sense and he was a bad actor and he's a bad actor in bad faith as well coming out against him. Well, having seen Zack Schneider's Justice League, I can tell you that Ray Fisher's performance was not bad. And in Snyder's version, he was very vocal to that entire story and it made perfect sense with him. So, okay. The Gail Gadot stuff, he claims that it wasn't him threatening her career, which is what she said, but it was, she doesn't speak English, it's not her first language, so she misinterpreted me because I use flowerly language when I talk. That doesn't sound like a really good defense as well. She doesn't speak English. Because, I mean, just diving into that whole thing right there, that's a pretty, pretty bad statement in and of itself. Well, it's not her first language, so she doesn't know what I mean. Okay. I hear you on that, and that does not sound good. But secondly, what happened between you and her was so big, it got people involved in Wonder Woman to step in and Warner Brothers to step in. And everybody took Gail's side on that one. So, okay. That's what you say. As far as Buffy goes... He admitted that he had uh, an, an affair with somebody on the set and all that stuff, but denied that he physically hurt somebody, which was a claim that he had dug his nails into somebody's arm. He also denied that uh, he was abusive to people. Uh, who He even said, like, who does that on set? That's not something I would do. Uh, so there's a, there's a little bit of response from, from Whedon on all of this. Here's what I'm going to say. At the end of the day, you can make up your opinion. I'm not going to tell you how to feel. I, for one, will not be seeking out Whedon's work. That does not mean I'm not going to finish watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer because I did start to watch that. I'm going to finish it because at the end of the day, I get why people boycott celebrities. There are certain celebrities I will never support. I won't say who they are. I will not say who they are, but certain ones that have taken certain stances and have done certain things, things like that, I will never support. I'll just say this. I've never seen Frankie and Grace. Just to put one, just to give you an idea, to to sift you in a direction of one person that I have never seen anything that they have ever done and will never see a piece of their work because of their stance on a certain thing years ago. And with my family's long, long, long military history, including many people serving in Vietnam. So I get people not supporting people. And if you don't want to support Whedon anymore, that's fine. But the way I see it, I don't need to support him from this point forward. I can still watch Avengers. I can still watch Age of Ultron. I'm still going to watch Cabin in the Woods. Like I said, I'm going to finish Buffy. I still own his version of Justice League, but I like the Snyder version better. Like, I'm still going to watch what I have. I'm not burning it. I'm not throwing it away. But I'm not actively going to go out and be like, oh man, it's a Whedon project. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go spend money on that, or or I'm gonna buy his things that are just his now to help him out. Like, no, I'm I'm done with that. I'll finish watching what I'm watching. I'll watch what I own. That's it. Wipe my hands clean. 
for the people that want to keep supporting him, go ahead, keep supporting him. You can do that. That is your choice to do that. There's a lot in this as well. Some of his responses were bad. Some of his responses make sense. I read the article. I read the whole thing. My takeaway was a guy trying to come out and tell his side of the story and certain aspects of it just didn't help his side of the story. Other things were like, okay, things are out there. But I will not support him anymore. I don't care if you still support him. Do you? But I also see it as this. No matter what, Buffy the Vampire Slayer still meant a lot to a lot of people. So to tell people they cannot have that anymore because of because of somebody, I don't I don't like. I don't like that. And and that's why I'll never yell at people who support actors or actresses or people that I don't support. I'll never tell them how that they can't enjoy that content because to them it might mean the world. And I know to a lot of people, Buffy meant the world to them and Angel meant the world to them. And to a lot of young girls, Buffy helped give them confidence. So, and yes, it's weird to say a show that this guy who now has a lot of bad and negative around him helped create that, but that is, that's a fact. Like you cannot deny that. You cannot deny that this show helped pave a way and helped give a generation confidence and helped push the generation one way. Like, it happened. It's a thing. It's there. You, you can't deny it. So that's all I'm going to say on that. I, I really don't want to get any deeper into it. It's it's a very, I know it's a touchy subject for a lot of people and for a lot of different reasons. So that's that's where I'll leave it at that. Uh, quickly running through some other things, though, some other stories. The Moon Knight trailer is out. Looks super awesome. Oscar Isaac looks balls to the wall crazy looks like one of the coolest things that marvel's put out on their on their streaming service uh their streaming service that disney's put out on their streaming service with marvel involved so it it looks it looks crazier than wandavision and loki like and those shows got weird but moon knight looks super weird uh other news daniel radcliffe he's trading in his wand for an accordion he is set to play weird al yankovic in an upcoming biopic. It's called Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic story. Going to be available for free on the Roku channel and production set to begin next month. Uh, Al talked about it, said that when his last movie, UHF, good film, came out in 1989, he made a solemn vow to his fans. He would release a major motion picture every 33 years, like clockwork. He's very happy to say that they are on schedule. Uh, just super cool of Daniel Radcliffe to continue to shed that Harry Potter character and take on weird out there roles. I mean, this is a dude that played a farting corpse in a movie. And now he's going to be Weird Al in an upcoming biopic. So sign me up for that. Also, Tim Allen, he's back. Uh, he's going to be heading up to the North Pole again putting on that Santa suit for a Disney Plus series. Speaking of them, he's set to star in and produce a Santa Claus series on their streaming service. It'll be about how his character Scott is going to be turning 65, realizing that he needs to find a replacement to be Santa Claus so he can return to the normal world with his family. A release date hasn't been announced, but production is supposed to start in March. The impression I get from that sounds like Disney is trying to uh, find a way to somewhat hand the reins off uh, 
from Tim Allen. And this is not Tim Allen's being canceled, okay? I'm not doing a Tim Allen is effing canceled thing. It sounds like an older actor is trying to find a way to gracefully hand over a character so that Disney can continue to exploit said IP of character in more films and more Disney Plus series. So I'm into this. I like this. It could be multiple seasons that this happens. It could be a one and off and Tim Allen is done playing the Santa Claus at the end. That's just an early impression that I get from it. Uh, But a release date has not been announced. It'll head into production this March. I'd imagine you have to drop that. It's going to be in production in March. It would be hard to drop it this year, but... I figured you got you got to do that sometime around the holidays. Can't just drop that in like October or something like that. So it seems like a long time away. I feel like they would they should have started production on that if they wanted to get it out for the holidays this year. But it just seems like a quick turnaround if they start doing this in March and want to get it out by about November or early December for the limited run leading up to Christmas. But hey. It is what it is. Uh, And finally, uh, some final bits uh, of news and notes for you. Uh, All kind of Spider-Man related here. Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts producing a new Final Destination film. Uh, Really excited for that. If you don't know the premise of Final Destination, hot young people escape death. Death ain't happy. Death kill them in gruesome ways uh, that are absolutely just bonkers and... Really have always enjoyed that franchise. Part of my fear of flying uh, comes from that first movie, actually. Seeing that at a young enough age, at that age where it left a big enough impression on me. So I, I had Final Destination, uh, then then s- just my claustrophobia, uh, my fear of not being in control as well. So a lot of different variables, but that first film really kicked Uh, a big fear of mine as far as flying goes. Uh, So I'm excited to see what that is. I know Watts had an idea and pitched it, and that's how he got on board as being a producer. So I'm curious what's coming from that. And then other Spider-Man news, it is officially the fourth highest grossing film of all time in the United States. uh, And looks like it could be poised to potentially become the third highest grossing film of all time. I don't think it'll catch Avengers, but... Uh, could catch, I believe Avatar is the one that's right above it. And then the last bit of news and notes, uh, William Defoe. You know, he's a bit of an SNL host himself uh, because he will be making his debut on January 29th. Katy Perry is going to be the musical guest. So I might have to check out that SNL. I haven't been a big... I pick and choose my SNL. It really depends on the host. And William Defoe has me interested. So that'll do it. Thank you all so much for hanging out. I appreciate you being a part of this week's show. As always, like, subscribe, leave a comment, share the show with friends. And until next week, ooh, could have a special episode for you next week. Uh, Might be something I start doing once a month. Uh, Not going to reveal it yet, but you're definitely going to want to check it out next week. Uh, Very special episode on the way. Bye.